Hey everybody and welcome back to another edition of the BA Sales Kettle Cup Holistic Healing Hour with your host and moderator, me, Grandpa Bill. Some of you via invitation, probably a fair amount through ubiquitous audience. Thank you both factions. Continue to pay it forward and you are. We grow exponentially with your help and we're going to cut right to the chase today. Those of you that do join the shows daily hopefully have had the opportunity to hear a couple of visits now and a couple of preludes, my honor, with Jason Pike, who's in studio. So we're going to go right to it. I would respectfully ask if you haven't had the opportunity to do so, please do do so. We dissected his books and pretty much quite a few questions and so forth. So today we talked about some more that he's going to segue in and I'm going to introduce Jason Pike. Round three and welcome, sir. Welcome today and uh, take it away, please. All right, Grandpa Bill. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah, um, before we, I forget about it. I'm on JasonPike.org. JasonPike.org. That's where my two books are at. A lot of inspirational messages there, blog sites. But hey, um, yeah, like uh, you know, in the Army, 31 years and a lot of a lot of stories, a lot of crazy stories. And what one of the questions a lot of people ask me is. Uh, what inspired me to enlist, enlist into the Army at the age of 17? I mean, I was 17. I wasn't even, even out of high school. So, um, well, I mean, where I come from uh, in South Carolina, it was just a military was an option for folks who were not college material. And it, 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 it had verified that I was not college material many times throughout my, uh, you know, young, young adult life uh, in high school counselors, uh, failed first grade, English and writing are my worst subjects, even though I'm an author and I'm a national best-selling author. But no, uh, so I just, they just said, uh, you pretty much, you know, you either go into the military or you go to college, you know, college was not an option. I did three college degrees later, but um, that's kind of how I thought that I might go and Go, that's the reason, you know, go into the military, maybe get trained, maybe get some structure or discipline. And that's one of the questions a lot of people have asked me if, uh, about why I enlisted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's indeed a young age. And like, hey, anybody that was 17 as long ago and as far as away as it was for myself. Fair question. What was your maturity level at any 17-year-old maturity level? But what was yours, sir, if you don't mind expanding upon it at that time? I like to look at my uh, 11th grade uh, annual picture and my 12th grade annual picture. My 11th grade picture, the photograph was just, you know, blase. I don't care. I don't have a sense of purpose. You know, it, it was, I mean, there's, there's, I'm not going to, I'm probably going to be a manual laborer all my life. Um, once I got, once I, once I, that was sort of my, uh, you know, there's nothing, I was not a jock. I was not an academician. I was not in one of those niches. Uh, I was Correct. in agriculture, but yeah. So, but when I got out uh, at the age of eighteen, I, I, I turned eighteen in the basic training. Uh, there was a different set of eyes, a different set of purpose, and uh, so there was a huge difference. But no, yeah, exactly. My maturity level was just blasé. I don't care. Nothing. I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be anything. Pretty much. But pretty much, pretty much in the human equation at that age, different variables, different reasons. That's kind of the maturization process. Just because you are so young, even though, even though when we're there, hey, I know everything at seventeen. Didn't everybody? Didn't everybody? Continue, continue, continue. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of that, and it was sort of a baptism under fire. 
kind of appeared straight, and then I did pretty much, uh, that did pretty much get my act together for the future. I didn't know that at the time. At the time, I didn't know, I didn't know the influence the military had. Um, I mean, yeah, and so I'm, I'm not saying everybody joined the military and it's for everybody. I'm just saying what happened to me, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and just out of just out of curiosity, in your academia as teachers, did you have anybody as a teacher that was from the military and or had a militaristic discipline uptick, if you will, if you will, to give you uh, a pretaste, to give you a little bit of a pretaste of what it might be like in the military at that young age? Where I was from, the culture of the uh, the Southland, South Carolina. Yep. It was sort of, it, it was, that was considered a higher purpose. It's considered a good thing to go to the military. Yep. Uh, it was not considered a bad, it was an honorable thing. And that so is. where we were at, it was, uh, we were flag wavers, patriotic people. We all that had honor. It was just, that was just how we grew up. And yep. uh, so that's kind of like, uh, oh, well, I think my peers, when I, when, I was out, when, I come out of, when I come out of basic training, they're like, Damn, I didn't think he, you know, I didn't think he would join the military. And I didn't, you know, I didn't even know how did he join the military. I didn't tell him I failed the first three. See, I was a little bit older and I never, I wanted to keep that a secret about me being a failure. So, so am I understanding you correct? You tried to enlist a few times and you just didn't make it? Or am I not understanding what you're saying? Oh, um, a lot of my uh, peers in high school, they wondered how I joined the military. At Got such it. A Got it. Uh, the reason I did, and the reason I was, I had failed the first grade, and I was older. Got it. And so when I came into high school at the age of 18, uh, seniors, people were like, they were surprised. How in the world did he even join? Because, you know, they thought I was the same age as them, which I was Got not. It. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, yeah, so... Um, and not to interrupt you, did you want to expand about osteomyelitis? That's a pretty serious thing to cause your condition. To cause your condition. Yeah. So, I at the age of nine, I had a disease called osteomyelitis. It was a rare bone disease. I had jumped in a swimming pool and just bumped my knee like all the other kids do. But with me, a bone infection developed, and my left knee uh, pretty much dissolved. I was on crutches. I. My mother said I had it twice, but I feel I had it once. But at the time in the 1970s, they give these antibiotics, these big needles, right? right. Big needles, big needles, big needles, and they would go in there, put the antibiotics down, and eventually it cleared up. But it didn't look the same, and I didn't walk the same afterwards. A lot of people wonder, you know, how, how did you how did you join the military with the physical and academic problems? Right. Right. Uh, and, I, and, you know, with the physical problem, I lied and I tell, I just told them, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. I checked all so the you didn't, you didn't have a discernible gimp or limp per se. You had the pain and every, you had the pain and every, but not so much a hopper Cassidy, if you will, if you will. Yeah, the knee was bigger, but I had worked out on it a little bit. Uh, I, was average, I was average size, five foot eight, maybe 150 pounds. But, you know, I, I didn't have any criminal uh, problems and I didn't have. Now, with the academia, the issues with academia, that's a, I, I know that there, I just feel, I think they just slid me in. I was going into the reserves. I was a young man. Yep. They just, yep. I think, I don't know. I don't have the test scores on the uh, entrance exam to the military, but 
I don't think I did very well. I think they just slid me in. It was kind of a good old boy system, which was fine with me. So right. uh, I, I kind of slimed my way into the reserves. We were the National Guard. Uh, at, they were the less than best. We were, you know, weekend warriors, one weekend a month, drinking beer, things of that nature. So, so, so called, right? The weekend warriors, so, so called, right? Weekend right? warriors. We were. <laughs> so I eventually uh, got out of weekend warriors and went on to active duty. But again, again, with everything, as I go back, I see how everything was at the bottom in many ways. Right. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, we can just go on to another question that you asked me if you want me to read it for you. Please do. If you want to use those questions as a guide, take it away, please. Yeah, so I'll just use it as a guide. This is how, a lot of you asked, uh, how did your military experience shape you as a person and as a writer? Well, as a person, I took particular things. I, I, I learned to uh, plan ahead, a uh, planner, a uh, prior... In my book, A Soldier Against All Odds, I talk about thinking right. ahead, thinking outwards, prior planning prevents poor performance. And I put that into my everyday life now, uh, thinking out what, I, what do I have to do and what do I have to do to get to that goal. Um, and then as a writer, you talk about being a writer. Well, the writing is my worst. <laughs> Reading and writing are my worst subject, even though I enjoy learning, but it's so difficult for me. Uh, to do this. So what I did as a writer, I put as much as I could on paper, and then I hired a ghostwriter, someone to the architect of the book. I mean, I Correct. think that anybody, anybody who has a worthy memoir, that they're going to they're gonna have somebody behind the scenes, you know, not just as an editor, but forming the... Uh, real quickly, real quickly, I'm so glad to hear you that next year we'll see, I'm thinking of writing my memoirs of who the hell would want to read them, but, but I would definitely need a ghostwriter. I continue, continue, continue. Yeah, ghostwriter, and then, you know, just like you if, you, if you build a house, you have someone who does the structure. Exactly, and exactly. Thing, and uh, so, uh, like, for the mark, I had to get somebody for the marketing, uh, and I learned, it, and so uh, and then uh, I got that, and then of course an editor is a, a anybody can edit, but you want to get a good editor. Um, you're considered the author, but you have a lot of. I'm the owner of my house, but I didn't build the frames, or I didn't do all that. But see, I and you might have not, you might have not have done the plumbing. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you did, but case in point, you might not be an electrician, a carpenter, whatever, whatever, right? Whatever, whatever. Yeah, so that's kind of how that worked. It was a hell of a... I would say after retirement, you could say writing a book was one of the top five difficult things I've done in my life. Uh, I, I Because you have to give it all, you have to give it out. And uh, I, to have a good memoir, you, you know, dirty laundry. Dirty laundry is just, that's sort of, that's everybody's life. And so you've got to put that out. Everybody's got everybody's got some dirty laundry. Some of us need a longer clothesline, if you will. But that's another story. Continue, continue. So, uh, and we're not trained to give out dirty laundry. And uh, but really, once you once you do give dirty laundry out, people are like okay. And it's not it's not necessarily dirty laundry anymore. They're just like oh wow. Now, they'll either think wow it's, it's nothing special anymore because that dirty laundry is not hidden. It's out there. And then they'll they think differently, and they're like, okay. And some of them like, I admire you for putting that out there. And then some of them like, okay. 
Uh, so it's really not. A lot, of people, a, a lot of people don't know. How, a lot of people don't know how to react to that kind of transparency and candidacy. Right, Candid, right. Candidness. Candidness. They don't. They don't. Continue. That was, that was in my mind. The fear was in my mind, and it yep. was not necessarily out there a big deal. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was interesting to do that. But um, woo. Um, so yeah, everything. Yeah, you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we, we talked about some of the challenges that I faced, um, which were Feel free to revisit them if you'd like. Feel free. Yeah, so very early on, uh, I did not adapt to the military. Um, in many ways, I didn't adapt even as a senior person, but really in the young, 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 I was, I, fa I went to a criminal correctional facility at the age of eight, well, 17. Um, when I went to basic training, that transformational experience, Correct. Uh, the the water coming out of the fire hose was just too fast for me. Um, I was, right. I'm, a, I'm a slow learner, a slow processor. I was doing the best I could, but yeah, he didn't. He wanted to. He wanted to. He wanted to get me into a motivational program. And I, this story really does not happen in the military. Don't think that it does happen because it doesn't happen. But I did go to a uh, criminal confinement facility. It was a motivational program. Where they really uh, busted the busted your butt big time. Did, did that indeed? Did that indeed? Re, did that indeed reap benefits for you? If not on the immediacy later on when you got a chance to reflect on it, did it indeed maybe work? Yeah, if you will, it, yeah, yeah, it did work. Uh, it wired me a bit more tighter, and it kind of motivated me. Everyone told me I had changed at that point. Um, right. I never talked about that probably for twenty years. It's just that it was just, it was, it, and I even asked people in the military about, you, you go to a criminal facility, not for motivation, you go there because you did something criminal, but in my case, it was a motivational program, and uh, I, get, I did get scared straight, and then I did definitely learn from it, and uh, felt that I that, could do a whole lot more in life, yeah. That, now, that might have been a story that perhaps, because we, we exchanged so many of them, which is great. Reading your books and trying to go from my recall, did we go over the one? And I'll get the details probably a little sketchy. There was a knife involved, not mortally, not mortally, but there was, if you want to expand upon that. So, yeah. So, you know, when I was in the reserves, I also went, as a young man, I was probably only 20 years of age, and this is in South Carolina. I went to a ranger program for reasons. For the reserve officer training program, so I went to a ranger. A ranger is a more of an elite infantry ground pounder grunt type of a person. But right. I went there to get training to to get into that route and thinking of that route in the ranger program. Well, there was a whole lot of various events that we had in the ranger program. Uh, one of the events where we had to uh, we had to come across a dead body and check it for booby traps and. Because some dead animals, oh, yeah. dead bodies, they can they, they may want to uh, booby trap them. And um, there was a person that was laying down, pretending that they were dead. They were the cadre okay. member. That one of as part of the training. training. As part of the training. Oh, okay. I went up there okay. to check them. I'm following on. Go continue. Continue. One of the uh, one of the training uh, cadre, the instructors, they were laying there acting as if they were dead. That was just part right. of the training. I'm, I was, my job was to come and check them to make sure that they didn't have any booby traps. I turned the body over, and once I turned the body over, 
he said, that's the wrong way to do it. Oh, did he stab you? Yeah, yep. he, stabbed me in my, he stabbed me in my arm. Um, wow. It was one of those big Rambo knives that had a long right, knife. Right, right. It went to my arm, but I didn't feel it. It was really sharp. It went in and went out. I didn't feel anything. That's how fast it was and sharp that it was. I had a lot of clothing on because it was cold weather. And did about, that indeed break? Did that indeed break the penetration to some degree? Your clothing, or not at all? Or not at all, really? It went straight in, but later on, I started feeling that my arm was warm. I'll bet. I'll <laughs> so, bet. So I said, I looked down and I saw all the blood coming out. They had soaked into the arm. So it, it, he, had, he had stabbed me and cut me in my arm, uh, and it was so fast I didn't feel it. But I felt the warmth, and uh, I showed it to the instructor. And I went. And I went to the uh, hospital and got some stitches. And then came back to training, but there was no, there was no lawsuit, no complaints. Did he get reprimanded like internally? I had to do KP or any or any kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> if he got, if he, see, I was a training. He may have gotten reprimanded, but I don't know. I don't think he did. I think he, okay. he, did, he did apologize. Uh, to well, me. I mean, Sorry. yeah, that, that's. Uh, I mean, that does count for something, but <laughs> but. but. <laughs> And maybe you could if it was me that's probably why it was a good thing i wasn't in the military my sense of humor was hey we're all friends here put your arm out <laughs> i'm teasing i'm teasing a little bit a little bit continue continue, continue. Uh, you're, you're sparking my memory of some other stories Please, uh, take it uh, away take it that, away we're in the that are in the book and that, and that ranger program now again that ranger that ranger program was considered elite but i felt pretty strong with it because i had a good background uh, Correct. Base, but um, we did rook marches. A rook march is like a with a backpack on. Right. Rook marching, and you have to go for usually twelve miles under three hours. And seriously, was that a short jaunt in the park for you guys, or or that was enough? But I mean, is that a short stint, was, if you will? That was just the standard twelve miles is considered Got it. standard. Got it. Got it. With a weapon and with your with your ruck with your yeah, with yeah, thirty pounds yeah, of weight, yeah. and um, well, uh, you know, dehydration and exhaustion can really do things to the mind. And I, I saw a number of wild things that occurred to me. I'll bet. Uh, some soldiers were so exhausted and tired, and uh, they just started walking out and thinking that they're seeing their mother or their father in the well, woods. We're definitely getting delusional from dehydration, for sure. Yeah, for so, sure, yeah. I, I just saw uh, some some that every, we, we were thirsty and we were wanting. I saw someone trying to put money into a tree to get. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't a vending machine or what or whatever they were whatever they were seeing right right yeah. whatever. So you saw these bizarre events. So we would we would put ourselves to the point of exhaustion and uh, fatigue where the mind would play tricks on you. It so, can indeed play games on you for sure for sure for sure for sure. And then you know water. Important. I, I, we, we just the basics of life: sleep and water and food. Um, you can last a while, you, as you well know. You can last a while without food. It's not pleasurable. You got maybe forty-eight hours if you don't have a mud puddle or something with water, as you as you well know. If you don't have water within that time, yeah, not good. Continue. Continue. Yeah, we were on a survival exercise where they cut the supply lines and they told us to ration out our food and water for the next three days and i i had drank all my water up and i was still very thirsty uh yep. so i was looking i was looking around for water uh, i had drank yep. it up fast and uh 
I asked somebody who was doing guard duty, it was about three o'clock in the morning. Uh, I asked him, uh, hey, you know, can I have some of your water? And he says, no, you can't have any of mine. And I looked around for water, couldn't find it. I come back and it's like I said, well, like gold at that, at that point, it's like gold. <laughs> continue, continue. Well, if you're not going to give me your water, I'm going to take your water. And so yeah. we had okay. a fight. Okay, yeah, yeah. But so yeah. we had a fight. It was three o'clock in the morning, really dark. Yep. I don't even did know. They, who, did that wake up anybody on the periphery that you two guys no, were? Everybody, everybody was, okay. Everybody okay. Was, no one knew about it. It was just me and him. And I failed to get the water. He kept his water and he ran off into the woods and I never saw him. Um, yep. And I just had to go to bed. I had to go back to bed thirsty and uh, wait for water to come in. But, it, you know, the, the bizarre events that occur in the military training uh, or a lot of love them or not. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, if it, as you well know, if it comes to a war situation or whatever, you may indeed be that long in the field or whatever, God forbid, right? I mean, right? Yeah. It's all about training and learning, uh, you know, how to. And getting survive. your body adapted and getting your body adapted to really shitty, adverse conditions. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, um, you talked about, uh, well, what else? Those are some of the two good stories that I had. I, there was a story early on in basic training, uh, which was uh, there was a guy that walked into the barracks, and uh, we were sleeping. Well, I talked about sleep and water and food. These things are very precious to us, especially in training and survival environments. Oh, God, yeah. And so this private was pretending that he was a drill sergeant, and he woke me up on purpose. And he said, Jason, get up. And uh, I got up thinking that it was the drill sergeant. And right. I, found it was just, I found out it was just another one of us playing a game <laughs> on And I was sleeping, and I snapped, and I jumped on him, and I, I started beating him up. And yeah. then the platoon yeah. on me, and they pulled me off. Now, yeah. a good question, since that was basic training, and it wasn't at night, and it was more so in the morning. The, the drill sergeant never found out about it, to my knowledge. That's a question I don't know about. I, you know, at that time, uh, it was not bad to fight. Well, um, would you have been? Would you have been perceived the aggressor, regardless? Regardless, or I think if the drill sergeant found out uh, that I fought this guy, I think I would have been promoted. I, I really do. Uh, because oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. He kind of liked that type of stuff, and it never got to him. That story never got to him, and we. We all just knew that I was, they didn't want anybody else to get punished in the platoon. And everybody was like, let's keep this internal. And it not, to my knowledge, it didn't get to the drill sergeant. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, to some degree, that probably happened, whether it's a poker game or whatever. Doesn't, to some degree, that probably happens quite a bit. And we just go Shh, in the barracks or whatever. Right? Right? Hey, that never happened. Right, buddy? Right, right, buddy? You, you're too sore, right? Right? You're, uh, right? Whatever it may be. Continue. 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 There was a lot of experiences that I saw and did that I would have never had the the good, the bad, or the ugly. I would never have had the opportunity to if I didn't join the military. But, I mean, the military is not all perfect, and it's, it's not for everybody. But, but, uh, but you, did accent, you did accentuate how you were blessed to see all those beautiful countries and get the photography that I know you enjoyed and did in your capacity as yeah, in being exactly. in the military. So there's some good ancillary benefits too. 
Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. looking at the Philippines, which I've been, I've been to, you know, Korea, South Korea, I've been to, I've been to Canada, I've been to Germany, Afghanistan, El Salvador, and um, so. How many people? Yeah, how many you know, people without a military career? Probably a lot, but you get my point. How many people can say that? I, I can't. I haven't been to one. Well, I've been to Canada. I've been to Canada. I've been to Canada. So, yeah, so let me ask it. you this about that. And I apologize. I should know this. How old were you when you actually retired? And I'm sorry, how long have you been in retirement now as we speak? Well, yeah. So um, I just passed my nine-year mark. At the age of 48, I retired with about yep. 31 years in the military, yep. 30, a little bit more, almost 32. And I'm 50, yeah, so I'm 58. Well, really, you're looking at, yeah, 2009 years, nine years. My so, point uh, is, and God bless everybody that is still with us, you know, from your career and all of that, that you even alluded to how you're in touch with them and birthdays and so on and so forth. Even the blonde private that we talked about in the other shows. But that's so great. So how are you transitioning in that? Obviously, well. But in that nine years, written a couple of books, you kind of said you're aspiring for another one and or two, if you want to talk about that. Sure. So I've got, uh, so once I got my first book done, which was the most difficult, it's by doing the first one, um, then your creative juices start flowing. I, I, feel that it, I feel that it did with me. And um, then you start thinking about other things that you can talk about. Or write about. You had so much to reflect on. You had so much to reflect oh, on. Yeah. Then, then I came yeah. up with a short book we already discussed as uh, Out of the Uniform, Back into Civilian. That's for Correct. better. It's a self-help guide. Uh, and then, so now we're in the process of doing something on toxic leadership. Or what to, what um, to do in a wicked workplace. If you're, you're in a place of hell and you can't even stand getting up and going to work and it's hell every day. We're talking about not everybody has bad days, but if it's always a bad day and it's absolutely, and how many people we may never know how many people in our peripheral audience have both hands up right now? Continue, 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 continue. How do you survive? And what 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 can you do about it? And so we're gonna we're gonna try to we're tackling that. It's gonna take us another four months. Um, I I, so uh, definitely toxic leadership. Uh, is a military regulation uh, that that the military definitely got their hands on a little bit more. But uh, I don't know about civilian life and I'm or police officers or government workers and what to do. Uh, we got an idea, but we're going to approach that uh, in the next four months. Me and the ghostwriter, and uh, so that'll be coming out later. Um, so um, and then there's all these other ideas that I don't want to talk about because it's just. It's right now just forming and so forth. But, and that's uh, your prerogative, and that's the way to make sure that you get it all cogent. <laughs> and I, no, I fully respect. I fully respect that. I fully, it's your baby. I fully respect that. So let me ask you this: whatever your comfort zone is and isn't, not so much to the letter of the law, but moving out, moving out with a little bit of this and that going on around the world right now. Where do you see the military moving forward? as the world's going to develop to change it accordingly, if that makes any sense. What would be your input or something like that? But it, appears, it, it appears we'll be putting our you know, front up a little bit more in the Middle East again. Um, history repeats itself, and definitely history has repeated itself over and over. 
I'm in the middle. I of just, I just, I literally just said that in the blog, the history of mankind and the planet to some degree. We really haven't come far. We've come full turn. Continue, continue. Yeah, continue. So, uh, and we'll probably increase our technology, our contract, all the defense will probably increase uh, the monies uh, for, for that. We'll, and it may go on for the next three, four years. They go in these cycles. They come down and they go up. Don't they? Don't they? Don't they? Don't they? Don't they? So before we segue out, and you know, he has an opening. We, he knows that. He can come back anytime, all the time, every time. It's my way of full respect for veterans never having served day one. And an idiot like me can do this because of them, number one. And some people doing whatever they're doing, as crazy as it is, they have that right, too, because of them. Is there anything you wanted to revisit, particulars, the books, the Amazon connections, or anything before we say bye-bye on this session? Jasonpike.org uh, is my website, jasonpike.org. Uh, uniform back into civilian life. I'll be keeping on going with some more books, so uh, you can just stay tuned. Yeah. That's Great. It. And Jason and I will be in touch. <laughs> I follow his lead at this point in time. I can listen to him talk about each and every one of the 31 years day by day. I don't know if each and either one of us are afforded that opportunity. So I'm going to say bye-bye for now to the crowd. I'll be right back here tomorrow. Good Lord willing in the creek don't rise. I'll be here waiting for you. And, uh, yeah, just stay together and, you know, ride the tide, literally and figuratively. And I think we'll be okay. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but we'll be okay. Peace, everybody. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you.